again. And without further ado, Ken Wilson. I, I can't introduce him. Emily said, ladies, I heard her. That's her Indiana coming out. I like it when her Indiana comes out like that. So we're, this is the final in a series that we've titled Navigating the Hard Questions. I got the hardest one. I thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> Emily did patriarchy. I did hell. That was a piece of cake compared to what I'm doing. And then uh, what did you do? The um, oh, interfaith Jesus. Like is, is Christianity the best religion and everything else is horrible? And you know, she, uh, that was a great one. I think these, this has been a decent series. I, I'm kind of pleased with it. So my topic is the praying for things dilemma. It's, it's more of like a, a, a spirituality question than like a core faith question, but it touches on a lot of really core issues. First, I want to mention that um, we're not having book club today. That was not correct. Um, we do have a book club. It's not a fiction book club anymore. It's a book club after church about once a month, and our next time is uh, the first Sunday in November, and we're reading Till We Have Faces, a novel by the great C.S. Lewis. So if you're interested, please join us. Send me an email. I'll put you on the, on the group list. But So we're navigating this question of, of the, the stumbling blocks that we encounter when we are praying for people that we love and care about or specific situations. Uh, these are called in the tradition prayers of petition or petitionary prayer. I'm going to tell a few stories to set the scene and one dream, and, but I'll start with one joke. My Episcopal friends have a standard trope joke. It goes, why doesn't God fix world poverty? He's too busy finding parking spaces for evangelicals. So kind of my like twist on that is a real story. Um, when my daughter was, uh, Amy was about nine, I couldn't find my keys. I really needed them. I was in kind of a tizzy. Amy saw my distress and she prayed out loud, God, show dad where his keys are by the count of 10. And then she's 10, <laughs> nine, eight. And between 10 and three, I'm crafting in my head an age appropriate explanation why it doesn't work like this. And of course, by three, I found my keys unexpectedly. <laughs> At the same time, though, my son was suffering from a debilitating headache, like, like a migraine um, um, intensity, but stayed on all the time, never switched off. He missed most of his ninth grade uh, uh, school for that. And I prayed every which way? And I knew a lot of ways to pray for that sort of thing, and, and, and including yelling at God, crying, and vowing to stop praying if God didn't do something, <laughs> a vow I broke. So here's another story. Um, our own Johnny and Amber uh, have uh, had uh, care for foster kids, and they fall in love with these kids who are sometimes uh, sent back to what seem like very difficult home situations. So this experience, I think, makes them intensely aware that some people just have massive advantages by birth, unearned advantages. That's just what the word privilege means. Like 
growing up in a stable family. It's kind of a massive advantage of birth, but also having people pray for you to the extent that prayer um, affects positive outcomes. Um, and that just seems like it's implicating God and the, just the gross unfairness of things. Third story is um, I have a praying friend uh, who doesn't live here but tunes in online. I call, I'll call her Annette. She prays for me and Emily uh, every day, I found out. I, f- I found out how Annette prays. She's a uh, native um, uh, First Peoples background, and she has incorporated her cultural heritage into her prayer. I'm trying to get her to come here and share about it sometime. It's really awesome. Um, and, but often um, she's asking me to pray for her, one of her adult children, who, like Annette, I mentioned, is a local First Nations uh, tribe person. And her son has encountered some real discrimination in the justice system. And this makes Annette really angry. And it's, you know, time after time, situation after situation at Creator. That's her term of choice for God, not the Creator, but Creator. And it, it seems like prayer doesn't, like, override that discrimination. And I've been praying for Annette's child too, and I'm getting more angry about the whole situation as I pray. So, okay, petitionary prayer is increasing my anger. So, I've hopefully described the dilemma. I'm not telling all the great stories of petitionary prayer when it works and blah, blah, blah. I'm dealing with the dilemmas. How do I navigate these uh, dilemmas as I've found my way. Um, and you know, think of it like a, you know, an ice, icy sea and you send the ship through the icy sea and it tries to, it bumps into the icebergs and it goes around them and that, that's what we're dealing with, how to navigate these issues. First, a, a few perspectives that, as I've reflected on it, I think shape how I navigate these kinds of thorny problems. Um, you know, as people who are affected by, you know, Western European culture, that's kind of our primary influence, we're preoccupied with the question, does it work? You know, does it work? And so we've created this society where like so many things work, the mail system, the phone system, and traffic works really well, all sorts of things work. But there are other questions that a society can ask, like, is it beautiful? Does it promote human flourishing? Uh, Is it good? Our culture is kind of locked into does it work as the most important thing, and that's called in philosophy utilitarianism, and we are just like pickled in it. So partly in response to this, I just, I don't stress too much about whether prayer works or not, petitionary prayer. I just like, it's, it's a problem I don't try to solve in my head. It, 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 I have a bit of a scientific interest or bent, and it just seems impossible to prove that petitionary prayer either works or it doesn't in terms of like outcomes. And there's a famous thing in science that a correlation is not the same as cause. You know, two things happening at the same time. Correlation is not the same thing as cause and effect. So there, I, I've got many examples of prayer for someone occurring just before some remarkable change 
in their fortunes. Uh, my dad coming out of a coma, he wasn't expected to. My first wife, Nancy, praying for a woman from the Peace Corps who had like inflamed eyeballs and her vision was permanently scarred from it. And she prayed over her and the woman experienced all this electricity. And, and, and the next day she went to the ophthalmologist and the ophthalmologist said, your, your corneas are fine and I have no explanation for it. But there's no way to prove that prayer caused that. It was correlation. I'm actually a lot more convinced about um, God um, guiding us in prayer, like giving us nudges and helping us find our way through situations. Interestingly, that doesn't happen for me. Usually when I'm asking for guidance, it just happens when I'm practicing certain kinds of prayer that are more quiet or reflective or meditate. But the prayer working in terms of affecting positive outcomes, I think that's just a it's an impossible to resolve question and you, you never know if you've settled it, um, even if you think you did. Um, I think petition prayer, uh, petition prayer is something that we actually can't help doing. <laughs> like atheists pray for things when they're in a pickle and it's just like, it's just a natural human thing. Um, whether you have a defined spirituality or religious faith, it's very likely that when you're in a pinch and there's no clear alternative solution, that you're going to hope that there's some benevolent power that's around and that this power can, you know, hear or understand and kind of affect things in, in your favor. So um, I think it's just something we're going to do whether we want to or not. And it's, it's not like smoking. I don't think the effort to stop it is worth the effort. Now, that's like my bottom line <laughs> on petitionary prayer. If you're thinking that's not very inspiring, oh well. Um, also, here's another thing, and I learned this from Emily, uh, who gave it, gave it language for me, but I think it's actually the way I've, I've thought about things as I've um, done the faith thing. I don't think it's helpful to understand God as a force that controls everything. Um, if it's true, and I'm not denying it could conceivably be true, but it would be true in such a mysterious way as to be incomprehensible and not something that we could like interact with or even understand on the scale that we engage life. Love, in the end, uh, prevails, I believe, but that's a matter of faith. Um, in the meantime, I, I think we are made free to be ourselves. I think the creation is made free to be itself too. And it's not like, it's not helpful to picture it as all like some big complicated puppet with God pulling all the, all the strings. It's not to say God doesn't have agency or influence, but absolutely, I don't, I don't think it's helpful to think of God having uh, absolute control or even control per se. Uh, and that helps me quite a bit. <laughs> with petitionary uh, prayer, um, it helps me not to blame God for everything. I think it also helps me not to fall into like religious faith-based passivity. You know, God's going to take care of it so we don't have to do anything. So um, those are some perspectives. Let me just finish this section by telling you a dream I had as a young pastor. And as a pastor, you, you have your own why God questions and then you accumulate a lot of other people's 
why God questions. And I was at that uh, phase of my being a pastor where I had my own and then I was getting a bunch of other people's and it was a burden. And I had the coolest dream. This was a dream where Jesus was in the dream, like physical Jesus. Only he was at the podium of a press conference, like, like this, standing like in the White House press conference room. It was like that. And there were a bunch of people, including me, like who were like the reporters. And this, I understood in the dream, was like the antechamber, like just be, like the vestibule of like whatever comes next that's wonderful, you know. And I, I was like, I, was, I had all my questions. I was like cataloging them. I had them straight. And then he said, I'll take, before we go in, I'll take questions. And everyone's like shooting up their hands, you know. And I got... I got called on. I couldn't remember a single question I had. Everyone else had the same experience. Jesus at the podium is like, is that it? And then like, come on. And it was like party time. That was an awesome prayer. That was an awesome dream that helped me um, navigate these um, hard, hard questions. Um, so now let me shift to some like navigational tips, maybe a little more practical, not so much just perspectives. So one would be diversify how you pray if like the lion's share of your um, personal praying is petitionary pray, prayer, asking God for things. I think it's pretty common when you start praying in a more intentional way to just do petitionary prayer because it's kind of like that it's the easiest most natural thing to do and then you find yourself that's like the main way that you pray in your like personal going through lifetime and so I think it's super helpful to diversify like you know do the AA practices like uh, memorize a few go-to prayers like the serenity prayer and use that through the day. Um, ease into, if you can, um, meditative ways of praying. So often we have like a, a guided meditation after the sermon. It's kind of helping people get a feel for how to do meditative prayer. Uh, prayer of thanksgiving is, I think, an important thing to have like in your prayer menu. You know, St. Paul said, don't be anxious about it, anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the God of peace will be with you. And it's interesting, the, the therefore is not outcome and things will work the way you pray, but then the God of peace will be with you. And he's already like diversifying petitionary prayer with thanksgiving prayer in that. So I think that's, that's just good wisdom to diversify how you pray if you find yourself having a lot of issues with petitionary prayer and you realize, oh, most of my like, meaningful personal praying in the day is praying for things. Um, the fundamental point of prayer, I think, is... Uh, improving or nurturing contact with God. It's, it's like, um, it's part of dancing with God and involving God in your life in kind of a fluid way, like more like soccer than football, you know. And then petitionary prayer kind of fits 
you know, football. Have a huddle, figure out the thing, go for it, you know. Soccer is more of a dance and a, you know, moving, you know, and so I think the more you can diversify and see that, that the more you'll be able to navigate the issues that you will encounter with petitionary prayer. Um, next thing is that petitionary prayer um, becomes more problematic the more we do it, more frustrating when we do it like in isolation. And we do a lot of things in our society in isolation because we're like individualistic. The individual, you know, self-contained individual is like the main thing of a human being. And most other societies and cultures don't think of things that way at all. And so even with petitionary prayer, I think the more we do it with others, the, um, the better it works for us. Um, so I'd suggest just make a good chunk of your petitionary prayer, praying uh, prayer with others. Um, I love our prayer for loved ones that we do in the service here together. People submit names. We put the first names. I've submitted some first names, some very personal things, like in my family or whatever. And I, I'm telling you, it's just the, it's the most, I love it to hear like the whole congregation just naming one another's loved ones. Like that to me is like an experience of the power of that kind of praying when we're doing it with others. I started this thing, the Vespers prayer, evening prayer once a week. We do it in the um, little chapel, which is right out there. That cute little standalone building is the St. Francis Chapel. Inez Wisdom, who gave this property over, built that. Her cat is buried in the chapel, as is Inez Wisdom. She was kind of a saintly person. She loved animals. Saint Ch if you love animals, great place to take a look at her cat, too. Um, <laughs> but we do the Vespers prayers in there, and we start with 10 minutes of like a mindfulness meditation, and then we use the divine hours, my favorite divine hours. It's kind of like Episcopal-type office, you know, boom, 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 one thing after another, pray that you do, do together. And then we take about four minutes to just individually, silently remember our loved ones. But we're doing it with other people, but silently. I, I love that. And usually I just name my loved ones one after another, maybe with an in-breath and an out-breath onto the next name. But like every time I'll pray for one of them, like more in a focused way, like they need this or that or the other thing. And, and it's just, I love that. Um, here's another thing, practically. Try um, trading your prayer burden with someone else for a while to give yourself a break from it. So I'm using this term prayer burden as it's when you're praying for some chronic, seemingly unyielding thing, either for yourself or for a loved one. And you're getting frustrated and the praying is when you experience the frustration that you have about this loved one um, well try trading your um, burden with someone else for a while so I don't know let's say your daughter is in and out of rehab and things seem to be going nowhere and it's just like controlled chaos at best and this is the fifth year of it 
and you're just like, oh, when I, when I pray for her, I just, I just feel anxious, and it, oh, it's driving me crazy. And let's say I have some, like, tangled financial mess that's distressing me deeply, and I don't know how to figure it out. Well, we could trade, and I could, when I'm feeling frustrated about my financial mess, I use that to remind me to pray for your daughter, and when you are worried about your daughter, you pray for my tangled up financial uh, mess. Um, there's an interesting text by old St. Paul in the letter to the Galatians, the sixth chapter, where he says these two things together that seem like they don't exactly fit, but I think they do in experience. Bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then each person has their own burden to carry. <laughs> and, you know, it's like both of those things are true. We can help each other with our burdens, but then we also have our own burdens that only we can carry. I can't, if you're having trouble sleeping, I can't sleep for you and make it better. Um, we all have our own burdens to carry, but I think we can sometimes trade burdens for a period of time when we're dealing with those. So that's a, that's a practical thing. Um, I think... And at the end of the day, I keep doing petitionary prayer because it seems to help enough for me to keep going. And even when it doesn't, like, work, affect the positive outcome that I'm praying for in a way that I can see, um, the fact, I think, of desiring a positive outcome for someone else or for yourself even and praying for it is, like, a legitimate form of love both for the other person and for yourself. It's a legitimate form of love to do that. And, and I just think love always helps. And every other thing that helps, it just eventually it just melts into love. It helps because it is some manifestation of love. Here's something you can take it or leave it. I, if you're moved by this, I pity you, you're like me. Uh, I think of love as like a mystical power that can be channeled by prayer over a distance, even if the prayer doesn't make what you want to have happen, happen. The, the love happens. The love has an effect. And I kind of picture it like a, like a neural network. You've seen those electron you know, microscope pictures of a neural network with the nerves and the dendrites and the axons and the synapses. And, and you know, one, one little cluster like lights up and then it, it kind of sends, you know, whatever the energy is through the network. Think of like praying for others as like that, like I'm at one nodal point on the network and they're connected to the network and my praying for them here has some kind of effect in, because we're all part of the same network. Like I said, if that, put that in your pipe and smoke it and if it works for you, great. <laughs> um, um, final thing is um, I think of Jesus as my guru my like spiritual guru and I don't want to alarm anyone I, I think more about Jesus than that but he's not less than my guru 
And I think in the spiritual uh, life, it's normal to look for gurus who like know stuff that you don't know and go along with them and AA your sponsor. It's just like, it's just the way human beings learn stuff. And I think of Jesus as just like extra gifted in spiritual things and navigating the, the, the essence of our existence, which is spiritual. And so I try to take his advice and let him guide me and I just kind of do it even if it doesn't like always make perfect sense while I'm doing it. I've been learning this with Headspace. I've been doing Headspace. This mindfulness app, Headspace. There's this guy Andrew who's in your ear guiding you and doing mindfulness meditation and your brain is going, this, does this make any sense or whatever? But then he's British he's got this great voice and you just cannot help but trust the guy and I find myself trusting Andrew and I'm just going with it I'm going with what he's doing and, and because I'm like relaxing and not fighting him and questioning it I'm just doing what he says trusting that it's gonna help you know what it's actually it's actually helping Jesus I think is like the capital G guru for me um, so, and I think Jesus uses the fact that we do petitionary prayer to shape our desires. And I got this from Emily. See, I'm a good sermon listener. I got, Emily did a, service, a sermon series on um, prayer shaping our desires. Um, and I think Jesus is doing this in a prayer that he gave to his followers called the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> cleverly named. He didn't name it. That's just what we named it. He'd come up with something way better than that. <laughs> uh, to keep it fresh, because this is so familiar, I'm going to use a translation that hews closely to the original language. And I'm going to, because I'm such a good listener of sermons, Emily's sermon on patriarchy inspired me to uh, pray Our Mother in heaven instead of our father because I've been doing our father for years and years and I'm not going to forget that he's a father blah 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 but also a mother so I've been, I've been doing our mother in heaven hallowed be your name your good realm come your will be done I got that from Emily too good realm kind of works better than kingdom we're not into kings and stuff we kind of annoyed with kings as Americans so I'm adding this uh, flourish to David Hart, Bentley Hart's very close otherwise to the Greek. Our mother in the heavens, let your name be held as holy. Let your good realm come. Let your will come to pass as in heaven, so also upon earth. Give us today bread for tomorrow or daily bread. Excuse us our debts just as we have excused our debtors. And do not bring us to trial, but rescue us from him who is wicked. Some translations, it's the evil one. The Greek, he says, is him who is wicked. Um, there, there are six petitions here. Um, and each one, I think, is designed to like channel or shape our, our human desires. And as Emily was, was saying in this series, our desire is at least partly imitative. Like we don't just like have our own autonomous desires all the time. Like we're affected by each other's desire. Our desires are contagious. I see you, you know, at a restaurant and you're tasting one dish and you're going, mmm, that's awesome. And you taste another thing and you go, oh, that's horrible. I want to eat what you think is awesome because desire is imitative. 
So let's just look at these six petitions. We're going to run through them real quick. Let your name, God, um, be held as holy. Well, that's interesting. The first petition <laughs> isn't for us or anyone else. The first petition is actually like for God. <laughs> We're kind of praying for God, um, not ourselves. Like, it's good for the whole shebang if God isn't confused with not God. That would be especially important in a world where rulers claim divinity, right? Um, but, and this also, I think, channels our desire for fame. So our first petition is that God's name be regarded as, as holy. We're praying for God's name there, and that's interesting. There's something about a non-self-orientation that Jesus is helping us with in the realm of desire. And then the second one is, let your will come to pass as in heaven, so on earth. Um, I think this means God wants to inflame our desire for justice. And he doesn't want us to be satisfied with just like justice for ourselves or our peeps or our loved ones. As long as we've got that, we're cool. No, he gives us a prayer that inflames our desire for justice. Let your will, God, be done here on earth as it's done in heaven. That's like a big, hairy, audacious desire. Um, and we're not, not to be satisfied when it's just working partially. So there's like, God is inflaming our desire for justice in this prayer. I, I sort of think this is like what I learned from uh, Johnny's dilemma. She was describing me to this dilemma of feeling like praying for others. If it has a positive outcome, it's great for them, but what about other people? And when I heard her say that, I was like, oh my gosh, she is like channeling God's desire for justice. And it's not satisfied until everyone is included in it. And it was like I caught a little bit of like what she's caught from God in that. And I'm like, ooh, I think that was from God and I needed that. And I should have frustration in my life. I should have anger in my life over injustice. And I can't just like sit back and say, well, great. We passed, you know, we, 2014, we got the Supreme Court, you know, whatever. No, no. God wants to inflame our desire for justice. Um, give us daily bread. So in our society, we have this like inflamed inflated consumer desire for all sorts of things. I'm playing words to for, for words with friends, the Scrabble thing. And, you know, every time you pop up, if you don't pay for it, which you don't, you pop up, it's got like little ads. And dang, I bought at least one of those things. And now they have this ad for this thing that goes next to your car seat and it organizes your stuff somehow in that little slot between your seat and the middle of the, the, the car. And I want that thing now. And I'm like, it's inflaming my desire. And Jesus, I think with this prayer is like, just chill. Just give us this day our daily bread. Like desire basic things. And just let all that other stuff go. This I think is maybe the most important for modern besides the justice one. Excuse our debts. No, that one's also important. Excuse our debts as we excuse our debtors. That's re redirecting our desire for vengeance 
into desire for repair and reconciliation wherever possible. Uh, save or keep us from the time of trial. We all like, we're worried about like some terrible scenario that I'm not going to be able to handle. And oh God, and he wants us to be children in relation to God and say, God, don't, just don't let me go through that. He doesn't want us thinking, I can go through anything. But God, just don't, don't, don't take me into that trial that I can't bear and save us from him who is wicked. This is a good one. You know, the Bible, when the Bible talks about the wicked, it's not talking about like normal sinful people. It's usually talking about some ruler, some leader, someone who has power over other people, who only cares about themselves, who uh, is corrupt in their use of power, and whose use of power is harming real people. And when you feel in the way of that, this is, this is your prayer. And it's a good desire um, for us to give vent to, save us from him who is wicked. So I think praying like this with the Lord's Prayer shapes our desires and helps us focus our petitions. Done. Okay. We're not going to do the normal meditative practice today. We're going to do a different practice that's derived from the liturgical people, which I thought we could learn from. Um, and we'll just do it today. Um, maybe we'll do it for Lent or something, but this is not like the new thing. Um, let's pass these out. Um, it's, it's the Episcopal pr uh, Book of Common Prayer, Prayer for the People. Maybe Brad and, uh, and uh, or Joan. Yep. Um, prayer for the People. Uh, yeah, you can just take the rest. Yeah. Um, prayer for the People. If you've been to a Lutheran church or a Catholic church or an Episcopalian church, you've done um, Prayer for the People. I need one copy. <laughs> I kind of forgot. <laughs> Thanks. And this is, I don't know, this is right for, I was at an Episcopal church three times this summer, and um, I really loved it. And it's kind of a meditative way to, where a group of people prays for a set of things together and gives you a chance to kind of put your own twist to, into it silently. So it's, it's good that way. Let's I'll give you a minute to get those all passed out. And I just suggest that do as soon as you get that, just read it over to yourself so you can familiarize yourself with the prayer so your brain isn't um, like inquiring about it so much when we actually pray it together. Oh, I should probably read it over actually for our people watching online, sorry. Um, it goes, let us pray for the church and for the world. That's like the first section. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, reveal your glory in the world. And a period of silence. Then, Lord, in your mercy, and then all together, hear our prayer. Next one is, guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Same format. Next, give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. 
Next one is, bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. And then comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. And then we commend to your mercy all who have died. I like this one. That your will for them may be fulfilled and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. So as you can see how it's structured, there's a leader. I'll function as the leader. We follow each petition with a little period of silence. I'll give it like two deep, relaxing breaths for that period of silence. And then I'll say, Lord, in your mercy. And that's your cue, Lord, hear our prayer. And we'll do it, we'll do it that way. You ready? Take a nice, deep breath just to relax. This is kind of a meditative kind of way of praying when you're into the groove of it. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all those whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your good realm. Lord, in your mercy. Amen.